Well, at least video games will put me in a good mood. Right. The thing about having too many Skeleton Warriors cards, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that you've just got to keep opening them. How far are you through this big <laughs> mountain of cards? Because I know a lot of them have been opened. Not very. Um, <laughs> like, I have now done a collective, shall we say, six hours. <laughs> I'm a professional Skeleton Warriors card streamer at this point. I bought, like I said, I've had about 60-odd. But, you know, going through and, and examining the the cards takes some time. Yeah. Sure. I've got what could only be described as two bricks of opened cards now. I mean, we're talking... Fuck, I, it's got to be dozens and dozens and dozens. Of the rares that I'm looking for and need, I've got one, two, three, four... Don't count the doubles... Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, about ten or so. <laughs> Out of dozens, maybe over a hundred. Is this the, the clear plasticky ones? Uh, it's a mix. It's the clear plasticky ones. They're really clever. Uh, these cards are fucking good. The artwork is like Franz Frazetta-like kind of stuff. As someone who's been like a, a collectible card person in the past, I've been really impressed seeing these. Like there is some, there is some fancy tech going on here. They're fucking good. Like the artwork yeah. is real good. There's a, ma a massive amount more lore than the franchise earned <laughs> with as as much as it bombed. Uh, but yeah, there are three types of rare cards. One is the Power Blast card. Oh, that's just a foil. Just foils. Ah. Um, pretty neat, though. They're like, you know, got some raised effects and some bits are shinier, so it looks all flashy. Then you've got the Luma Bone cards. <gasps> oh, by the way, listener, Skeleton Warriors was a, a cartoon toy line in 1995. Way too late to catch the boom. Really interesting toys. It was very villain-led, so that's one theory as to why it didn't go over well. But it's also the leading theory as to why I liked it so much, because it was about evil skeletons. It's a show that still holds up, but I got these trading cards, as I said the other week. So we've got these Luma Bones, they glow in the dark, right? Mm -hmm. Glow in the dark trading cards. The fuck can you go wrong with those? So they're good. And then the clever one, the one I really like, uh, the ones I really like, are the suspended animation <sighs> trademark somehow cards. They're plastic, unlike the, the cards that are made of card. Uh, these are like plastic with an image printed on it. So it looks like an animation cell. All those people currently making, you know, all that money doing Pokemon card openings. Like, I don't understand the appeal when people could be, you know, doing Skeleton Warriors cards openings and, you know, right? having a much better experience. Pokemon cards don't have suspended animation cell looking cards. I've got a card of a daddy punching a skeleton in the face. Exactly. Pokemon doesn't have that. They've just got stupid Jigglypuff or whatever. Right? I've got stories on the back of these. Baron Dark welcomed Grimskull to his nightmare, employing a dream machine to conjure terrifying <laughs> images that took the young prince to the brink of insanity. So come on! <laughs> when has a Gengar ever used a dream machine on a half-skeleton man? I mean, I mean, Gengar has, has Dream Eater and other dream-based moves. It does have some of those. Exactly. Gobbling up all the dreams. Rather than putting them in the machine. Exactly. Industrious. <laughs> making dreams come true. <laughs> Come on, everyone. So anyway, that's been my life. Oh, well, I should also say there's no shame in losing. No? None? If, if there's anything I, I've gathered you all here to, for today is to say, <laughs> there's no shame in losing. There is no shame in losing. Mm -mm. Sometimes you go out mm. and you fight your hardest, maybe in a tag team match, mm. and you lose. And there's no shame in that. 
Who said there was shame in that? There's no shame in losing, but I might argue that there perhaps is some shame in not having a sneaky underhanded tactic to turn that loss into a win. Exactly. Exactly. I would say there's shame in using an underhanded tactic, like DDTing someone onto a steel chair that just happens Mm. to be there. Just happened to be there. Just happened to be there. Okay, so I brought in a steel chair and I bonked myself on the head with it. (laughs) But I didn't kick it into my own face and I didn't DDT myself onto it. That was a moral choice made by Kimberly Spirit. (laughs) Uh, Polyam Got Party 4 was real good. You should all go watch the the VOD of all the matches. It's very good. One of the most amazing days of my life. One of the most amazing days of my life. Amazing... The best night of my wrestling endeavours, my wrestling career. And one of the reasons why there's no shame in my losing is I found a victory on my own terms because fuck y'all, I'm a pro wrestler. Genuinely, for anyone that's like looking to get into indie wrestling, I feel like this is an incredibly good first show to watch in that it is three hours of incredibly consistently like well-paced, very well-performed matches. And then I show up. You did, you did bloody great. Did you, great. you, you, you did so many new things in the ring. I was real proud of you. Oh, thank you. You did, you did all your moves. You did all of your, uh, your performancey things. You did everything very well. Well, huge credit goes to the great Bambina, my tag partner. Oh, the great Bambina was fantastic. Yeah, like I brought the laughs and had some surprise maneuvers, but the Bambina is a fucking powerhouse. She fucking kicked ass and of course you know kimberly spirit hats off to her and a tag team partner zach belmont incredibly impressive the real wrestling they did was great but yeah i you know i'm green i'm a rookie but fuck it that was the night i confidently can call myself a pro wrestler and that was in the middle of of just incredible wrestling all around. I need to go back and, and watch some of it not through a curtain. Oh, I just watched that match again last night. It is incredible. I really want to see Arthur and, and Molly go at it. If there is one match that like I can't stop thinking about from the night, it, it might be that one. I'm so glad there was a match between their match and ours. I was uh, positioned behind a set of stairs that, you know, in, in like tucked in a little corner where I could barely see anything going on. I had to watch it all on the monitor. But holy shit. Right. Yeah. Like, holy shit. That goose egg on Molly. Oh, my God. Like, brutal. One of my favorite things about the night was uh, the the level of making use of the cramped venue and the audience presence was used to some very good effect in some of the matches. Yeah. It was a small venue, but then again, it was an outlaw show in several ways. It, it was secret and a select uh, crowd. It was a real, real fun time watching audience members get thrown onto a pile of potties. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really good crowd. Yeah. Really good crowd. One of the best crowds I've been in front of. I've got to try and find a way to stop getting face pops if I don't want to be a face. Because <laughs> I don't even think a lot of that crowd knew who I was, but they were still cheering and, and stuff. There was a bit where, like, Kimberly hit me and there were, like, some boos from the audience. And I'm like, that, that's wrong. But hey, what can you do? I'm just too lovable. I, I need to go back to see Effie versus Ziggy. Oh, yeah. They're two of my favourite people in the business. It was a heck of a way that the match ended, but I, I feel like there is no shame in the outcome of that match. Yeah. Oh, I caught the ending for sure. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a good... I mean, that was the second weird questionable ending Ziggy's had in, in recent memory yeah. because at Rise, you know, her and Tony mm. Johnson got the pin at the same time. I'd like to thank, of course, Conrad for running the stream. Oh, my pleasure, as always. Uh, made sure that the world, over a thousand people, like 1,200 people watched our match, me and, and Bambina versus uh, Beauty and the Beast Slayer, and throughout consistently about a thousand uh, watchers. Yeah, you you were consistently between a thousand and eleven hundred uh, from about maybe like the end of the first fight onwards. Never dipped below a thousand. That was just such a relief. Once we hit a thousand, I was like, thank God, because I didn't I didn't want to let MV Young down. You know, he's he's sure. I wanted to. I like impressing him. <laughs> <laughs> and Laura, of course, the, the pre-show was 
people were, were like were watching it backstage and they were really happy i was real happy with it i watched it i watched it back and i'm i'm real proud of that yeah you should be you should be timed it right well down to the minute <laughs> exactly thanks of uh, course to phoenix as well who worked so hard on like lower thirds logos and stuff presentation the intro even for the polyam cult party he's announced polyam cult party woodstock Ooh. If if he wants me to stream it again, I hope he gives me information quick. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So thank you to all of you for that. It was so good. And fingers crossed one day there'd be some money in this business <laughs> so that we we can actually get that out of it and I don't just lose cash. Fucking fun, though. Anyway, we've we've had about 10 minutes of this. This is the bit where I'm legally obligated to remind you that video games exist. And I'm selfishly obligated to say this coming Saturday in <laughs> in York, um, Pennsylvania, I'll be at SWO. I'm entering the Gauntlet for Glory. It's a rumble match on 35 Main Street, Seven Valleys, PA. I'm assuming tickets are still available. Mm. Yeah, uh, I will. I'll be posting a... a graphic for it on twitter and everything so yeah this weekend another appearance i'm getting a little busy now well you've you've got the rumble for glory coming up i'll tell you what's not a rumble for glory pokemon rumble doki doki literature club plus is not a rumble for glory oh no so i talked about this a little bit last week i messed around a little bit with this game visual novel that it turns out there's a bit more to the narrative than what initially seems i picked it up because it's had a console port that added in some extra content it made some changes with work on console and specifically because i do accessibility stuff content warnings got added to the game and i've now had a chance to play through the whole thing and while i have been assured by the developers that patches are on the way to fix this it launched in a real fucking bad state. Whether or not you like content warnings as a thing that exists, and I know that there's going to be some listening who are like, oh, yeah, not needed, but... Oh, you, well, you see, the thing about content warnings, Laura, is they were completely <laughs> invented by Tumblr in 2013, and they've not been a part of television since television. I certainly, growing up, never, never heard a TV announcer say this show contains scenes that some viewers may find disturbing. Never heard that. Yeah, exactly. So here's, here's the thing. I'll preface this by saying, if you're going to include content warnings for a piece of media, it is really important that you get it correct, because doing content warnings incorrectly and telling someone you will have fair warning about content coming up and then failing to do that is worse than having no content warnings at all. You are getting someone who may have something that they have a particularly traumatic experience with to let their guard down and be told, okay, I can safely play through this and I will be warned if that's going to come up. Now, did they do that on purpose? Or is this an oversight? This is this is an oversight. This is, um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say from having talked privately with the developers, but this is a... I'll just spill the beans. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I can say as much as this largely came down to the game coming together very last minute close to release date and not being aware that certain things had happened until it was a little too late to get it ready for launch. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm, I'm not going to go into any specifics, but at the start of the game, you're given four content warnings. Single words, no context. For example, one of them is depression. No further context, just it, four individual words. Perhaps the most egregious thing about this game's content warnings, if you go and turn on the, the, the proper content warning setting in the menu, which is supposed to give you like on-screen warnings before those scenes come up, is that they fail to even warn consistently about those four topics. Like, there are far more things in that game that probably should have content warnings for them if you're going to go in on content warnings, but if you've decided these four topics are the only things you're going to put warnings for, you need to get every example of those done properly. I will give a vague example here. There is quite a traumatic scene in this game, which is like the big narrative turning point. It gets a one word content warning that pops up before the scene. Great. Ten minutes later, 
a photo of that scene is on the back wall of a classroom, no warning this time. That's an oversight. That is an oversight where, like, it would have been better to not tell people, oh, we'll warn you before it comes up, than to say, oh, no, no, we'll do it, we'll do it. Oops, we missed that one, we missed that one, we missed that one. There are several content warnings that they establish and they make it, like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna warn you for that, we're gonna warn you for that. Oh, we missed, like, six examples of it in the game. Uh, it's a real disappointment because, like, the big comparison they drew before release that the developers drew was to a game from last year called Ickenfell, which is, a, like, one of the best examples I have seen of content warnings done right in video games. It's one of the best examples of a lot of things. Yeah, it was real good. It's a very good game. Go check out Ickenfell. Because we've got, like, warny stuff. We've got the queer representation, which is off the charts compared to almost every other game of note. And then we've got the accessibility options, which are really good. And yeah, yeah, they help me. It's a real good game. And like, if you're going to go before release and say, we are taking inspiration from Ickenfell on our content warnings, like that leads me to, as someone who's played Ickenfell, assume, okay, I can expect uh, a content warning that is visible, that is difficult to accidentally skip past, that will not only say what's coming up in the scene, but give context. Yeah. Giving an example from Ickenfell, there is a scene I can remember where it's like, discussion of, but no depictions of, blood. Like, that's a really specific thing that says like, hey, this is exactly what you're going to get in this scene. Here is a button to skip it if it's going to be a problem for you. Yeah. None of those things that make Ickenfell's content warnings great, none of them are in Doki Doki Literature Club. Near as I can tell... In Ickenfell, there's no bit where, like, they throw up a photo and say, here's some trauma we made earlier. Yeah, yeah, never happens in Ickenfell, funnily enough. Yeah. I need to play this game. This Doki Doki game. I hear so much about it, and I want to know what this content is. I think it's worth playing. I think it is a fascinating game, and I think that, like, this port is probably the best way to do it. And I still think it is a great game. It's just frustrating seeing... A feature that they bigged up and compared to some pretty big examples. Yeah. Just so half-heartedly done. That's a shame. So that's a shame. So like, hey, if you're someone who thought, hey, I'll pick Doki Doki Literature Club up now that it's got content warnings, maybe wait a week or more, because apparently they're hoping to, within the next week, have a lot of these issues addressed, but I'll I'll come back on that shortly so still a good game still a game i i very much recommend people experience but the content warnings are not where they need to be right now do you actually learn anything about books in the game i learned some stuff about books uh, yeah cool. yeah i learned a little bit mostly i lo mostly learn about poetry oh i learned about poem styles that's useful information i learned some stuff about horror horror novels and about how not horror novels novels are structured. I learned a bit about that. Cool. I learned a bit about books. That's all right. I tell you what, Laura. What? If people wanted to learn about books, yeah, <laughs> maybe you could name some books that they're interested in. Well, maybe they could check out Uncomfortable Labels, which is a book about being autistic and <gasps> trans, and it's out now. Or they could check out things I learned from Mario's Butt, which it's got a bunch of pictures of video game characters' bottoms in it. Oh, that's very silly. It's very erotic. Sorry, silly. It is. It's a comedy silly. book. I, I, yeah, I'm. I've not used. Right. You're published in a comedy book. Yes. I am in a book. <laughs> it's not erotic. Gender Euphoria, go check out Gender Euphoria. It's got a bunch of a bunch of trans people and other non-cis people going, hey, here's a time I was happy. It's a good, nice story. It's a good it's a happy book. Go read that. That's good. Anyway, what have, what have you both played this week? Donald Rumsfeld died. That did happen this week. Yeah, I just thought I'd point that out. More like Donald Cumsfeld. Oh. Right? Fucking burned him. Well, I didn't compare to where he is. <laughs> he owned Mount Misery. I, just, I need to remind people of this. He bought the property where Frederick Douglass was tortured. Oh. To have as his weekend retreat. Yeah, he's... Comically monstrous. He wasn't a good man. <laughs> like, that was one of the, the more innocuous things he did. Yes, in the context of human suffering... And Donald Rumsfeld's impact upon it, I suppose, his weekend retreat is a minor detail, but should have been an indicator. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're living in a essentially a monument to human suffering, 
very much a home away from home in that regard. <sighs> Speaking of monuments to human suffering, video games, is that oh, where you were going? That's, that's where I was going. Uh, what, what monuments to human misery have you subjected yourself to this week? I played more of that Fury Unleashed. I just finished it up yeah. this morning, actually. I've got a recommendation for a game for you to look at, Conrad. Uh-oh. No, 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 you might like it. I played it. It's, it's real fun. Uh, it's called Hell Rising Hell. There's a demo. On, Rising yeah, there's Hell. a demo. It's like, yeah. Okay. That's all. All right. All right. I'll, I'll look, I'll yeah. look at that. Uh, Fury Unleashed uh, was real good. Um, I, I wound up being real happy with it. It, there's a, it. it takes a turn in the third act that, you know, narratively, whatever, who the fuck cares. But Does it turn into a disturbing horror game that needs content warnings? No. Oh. No. It's fine, uh, but, but mechanically it's interesting because n- instead of the progression of now you're going to move through these three sets of three levels to reach the end, you're just trapped in one level with harder enemies, more environmental hazards, and you don't get the benefit of the buildup as much to get yourself primed to fight bosses uh, and so forth. The boss designs are great, by the way. Yeah. yeah. They are really cool. The skeleton with the shield and everything looks real cool. The art in general, I, I really like. It's a lot of fun and it works well uh, just in sketch format or inked. It's fun. The animation is what it is, but the visuals themselves are fantastic. This last stage battle thing is really well organized it's a bit i don't know if tweeze the word i'm looking for but the resolution of the story is something that as someone who has done creative work and found it unsatisfying as the sort of narrative of this conveys at times oh i see yeah, I had a trailer up. It's given away the turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the resolution means for it is just like, you know, it's, it's cute, but it sounds better than the reality. Like as much as you love that aspect of the thing uh-huh. uh, and it can drive you forward. Uh, yeah, it's rough. It's It just left me feeling a little bit sad. But it is a really well-made game, and I had fun playing it. Huh. So there's that. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What was that? Rising Hell? Rising Hell, yeah. I, I played the demo Yeah. the other day. It's got the roguelike stuff. Ooh. And you're basically fighting your way upwards, like vertically. Um, from Ooh, you don't get a lot platform. of upward. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so you're, like, jumping yeah. constantly and, like, wall jumping and it's ice climbers rogue very much yeah it's like a roguelikey ice climbers thing it's not at least from the demo it's not as super challenging up front as a lot of the roguelites out there sure but it's animated real nice uh the the combat is it feels very impactful um and it's very uh quick as well and you can they're not necessarily character classes, but you can... Well, they sort of are. You can choose a different style of character. It's the same character, but you can choose... They play a little difference. You can have one that's like... They've got bonuses and negatives. So increased speed or decreased jump, stuff like that. The one I went with, you can have a little minion that fights with you, but at the cost of a, a 10% decrease in your own attack strength. So that was fun. And, and it's full of eyeballs... Uh, I like the artistic direction. Uh, And yeah, it's something I thought you'd dig. I've played several games from this publisher. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a a tendency to find some, you know, just just curious indie games. They had the Infectinator series, which is a, a zombie defense management sim with exploration. It's fun. I like those. Yeah. This looks real good. Mm hmm. It's pretty, it's quick. I really like how jumping has an auto attack built in, which is very useful for a game in which you're jumping a lot. I think it's the double jump. I I think regular jumping doesn't necessarily do it, but the, as you jump, if you contact an enemy, you will automatically do an uppercut. Oh. And it just feels real good and sort of encourages you to to stay off the ground. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I... 
I've only played the demo, as I've said, but I recommend it. I recommend at least checking the demo out. I'm going to do that. I've already downloaded it. Awesome. I think it was recently on sale, but I didn't get it when it was on sale. So I'm... I mean, it's it's only a ten it's only a ten dollar game, which uh, I'm into, and it is still ten percent off right now. Awesome. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I was impressed with what I played. The demo takes you up to the first main boss. Mm-hmm. I fought some sub boss. Plus, you know, it's it's full of of delightful edginess. Levels like the pit of torment and the the <laughs> piesome grave and just shit like that. I like it a lot. It's charmingly edgy in its uh, overall design. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Laura, you play anything else? Uh, so I've put some time into starting to play Scarlet Nexus. Oh, I saw a trailer for that and was like, is it good or is it not? I can't tell. Mechanically, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I will get to the narrative elements. Actually, I'll get them out of the way first. Oh, how offensive is the narrative? I mean, it's not offensive necessarily. It's just doing nothing to endear me to any of the characters. Right. You've got two playable characters that you can pick at the start. One of them's a melee, one's a ranged character. I've mainly been playing the melee one. I'll tell you about his plot. His dad is the head of the government. His big brother is the head of the police. He is in the military. Okay. And he is the... Descendant of the the hero that saved the world, and I'm like that combination of things just does it. It's like oh, the, you you come from power and control, and you are destined to be the only person who can protect everyone. There's just some weird vibes going on with that. Nice, but let's put that aside. Visually stunning game. Mm-hmm. Cannot think of any game I've ever seen do. 3D character models trying to look like 2D animation as well as this game does. That's what immediately caught my attention because yeah. the if you look at the the artwork which is all I saw at first. Yeah. The artwork made me think of like a mid-tier game that was a bit shit, like a janky, shitty mid-tier game. It's got that look to it. It's just two characters, (laughs) like one in a hood and one with some hair, and it's got, like, grids. And it actually looks very American. Yeah. And and it made me think of, like, the sub-Focus Home Interactive bracket, Mm. uh, where it's, like, it's got all the jank but not the fun. That's a book-by-its-cover situation, though, because I saw the trailer and was like, oh, this looks very different. Yeah, and and I will say, like, the visual presentation throughout is uh, very, very good. They do some really good stuff. I'll get onto like, how powers are activated in a minute, but when you activate, like, another party member's powers, you'll get, like, a momentary uh, pause of the action as, like, this really cool cut-in of the character's face comes in for, like, a second or so. Yeah. It's like, ah, that's really dramatic, and uh, sometimes when it's doing cutscenes that aren't full motion, uh, it does little comic but style stuff but it does enough with moving image frames around in 3d space to keep those sort of comic book sections feeling feeling like they've got some energy like there's clearly some love and some effort put into the visual design of this i have a question yeah and i know the answer because i'm looking at it but i still need confirmation i'm watching gameplay that monster is like a giant vase full of flowers with long legs and high heels and a cheetah tail, right? Yes! Yes! Oh! <laughs> the, it, honestly, my the, one of my favourite things about this game is the enemy design. All of the enemy designs are about that wild and I never... I, I've not yet gotten bored of them. They're all... They're all a lot. Okay, fuck this. I'm in. I am in. <laughs> um, also, they all have very, very eccentric names. I've been very much enjoying the the names of enemy types. But yeah, so getting into the gameplay, and I'm mainly going to talk about the main melee character because yeah. they're the one I've been playing the most because I, I prefer melee to ranged combat. Very simple button mashy character action gameplay. You've got square button, which is tied to doing melee attacks. You've got your triggers, which are used to throw stuff around with psychic powers. Doing your melee attacks recharges your psychic gauge so you can keep throwing things. Mm -hmm. The gimmick, and the thing that I think feels really fun in action to play, is 
you know how in some fighting games you have big, long, complicated combos that are designed to keep you attacking and attacking with no gaps in, in the flow of combat? That's one of the many reasons I can't play them. Yeah, it, well, here's the thing. I always love those in concept. I'm not good enough to do them. Mm-hmm. This has a really fun, simplified version of that. Basically, all you need to do to keep a really cool combo going is... Mash the melee combat button until you have finished your melee combo with your big final hit. And as that last hit lands, you'll feel a big vibration. Throw something with your psychic powers. I'm looking at that now, just tossing stuff about. Yeah. Um, and then when, when your psychic attack hits, when you feel the big vibration, go back to doing the melee attacks. Hmm. And you can string back and forth between the two of them in a really satisfying way. Now, there's a couple of other moves that are thrown in, like you might have, oh, something different will happen if you charge or if you press this button, but largely it is feels almost music rhythmy in that your priority in battle is the second that one of your combo things finishes, be it mashing the, the square button or pressing the, the, the trigger, when you feel that vibration that goes, it's made contact, start doing the other one. Huh. And you just loop back and forth between them in a really satisfying way. I saw some of the trailer, but your description plus looking at like more complete coherent gameplay footage, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sold and want to play this. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll give you the heads up. The, the narrative, at least in the opening few hours, is kind of dryly delivered nonsense. You can skim through a lot of it. There's a lot of people, like, spending two minutes on a conversation that needed to be one sentence. Right. And, like, the vocal delivery or the lines that are written for the voice actors are not good enough to really carry those scenes. It improves over time, but, like, the gameplay is what has kept me going. I have been getting to narrative and going, okay, fine, fine, fine. Let me fight more weird creatures. It looks like, like, artistically, it looks like the classic example of media in which the voice actors are constantly going, oh. <laughs> yeah, look, oh. yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Oh. There, there are some really nice uh, other little touches to the combat. I really like that when you do a dodge roll, which you don't have a stamina meter for those, if you have a direction held on the analog stick, you will go from your dodge straight into a run in that direction, which gives you really nice maneuverability. It keeps you going the way you've just dodged. There's some really nice stuff with perfect dodge timing. If you can pull it off, gives you attack openings. Oh, and... Other party members you have with you will all have time-limited abilities on cooldowns, and none of them are too complicated to use. They're all basically press the button associated with that character to use their power until the timer runs out. It'll be stuff like, now your attacks all do fire damage and there's a fire tornado for a bit, or slow down time, or make yourself invincible for a second. The mainly useful in boss fights like boss fights will sometimes be built around what abilities you have there but yeah if you if you're just looking for a very pretty character action game with like a not particularly complicated combat loop but one that feels very good that makes you feel like you're very powerful i've I've been having a lot of fun with it yeah i um i think it was a tale made of bone rather than a cheetah tale it was hard to tell because of the compression on youtube but i want this now Looks good. It makes me think of, like, Code Vein, but with less Souls-like and a bit more Devil May Cry to it. That is very, very accurate. Yeah. It is, what if it was a little faster, a little more action-y, a little less, you know, Dark Souls unforgivingness, but it it has a little bit of that energy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, very good. Very promising. I, I want to put more time into it. I've really not put enough time into the the melee character, the, the ranged character to talk about them properly, but I'm having a lot of fun so far. Hmm. What about you both? Have you played anything else? You done anything, Conrad? No. Well, I've done something. Oh, God, what have you done? <laughs> I know what you've done. Terrible, terrible things. <laughs> Hit myself in the hair with a, a head with a steel fucking chair, for one thing. First of all, Sony's got to sort out the PlayStation 5 store. It's so bad. Mm. It's bad enough that they now front load it with so many games that aren't out yet. I the other day did the thing that you did when you first got yours, where I opened up the store and went, oh, is Deathloop out? Oh, God, you see? <laughs> it's just, it's unbelievable. I, I managed to avoid buying it accidentally, but I did have that momentary, oh, I guess I'll pick that on. No. I got a refund for that. Oh, did you? Yeah, it got pushed back so much I was eligible for a refund. Hooray. So, <laughs> Hooray. Free of the curse. God, it's fucking shit. And it does such a poor job of, for instance, 
telling you you've downloaded the PS4 version of something instead of the free PS5 upgrade. So you spend a little while playing a game thinking, I don't get what's so impressive here. (laughs) But the upshot of that is I now have a more recent basis of comparison for something like Terminator Resistance, which I played (laughs) the PS5 version of last night, finally. After playing the PS4 version by accident. How was your Terminator? Yeah, it's Terminator Resistance, but it looks a bit better. That's it. That's the tweet. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) It's still a good game that's trying really, really hard and isn't bad at anything. It's not outstanding at any one element, but it stands out just because, you know, it's trying real hard on all of them. Uh, with its like new uh, Fallout style stuff, your relationships with characters and your crafting system and your level ups and your sub quests. It's like it's doing its best and it does competently at everything. And yeah, it looks, you know, the Terminator, the Terminators look shinier, which is good. The loading terms are quicker, which is good. I don't think I'd have been as impressed if I hadn't accidentally played the PS4 version first. Maybe that's why they do it. Maybe that's why they trick you at first. So you're like, this isn't impressive. And then you re-download it. Oh, yeah. This is exactly the thing with me and the current generation of games. I don't notice how much I enjoy playing games at 60 frames a second until you put, like, unless I play 30 FPS first and then swap to it. I don't know how good your new console is unless you give me the slightly shittier version first. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to be cynical and and ascribe ulterior motives to game publishers, except the game publishers. Game publishers. Game publishers. What can you do? It's it's a shitty storefront, though. Come on. It is. You have to manually select recent releases on the PS4 version of that store, on, on PS5. Um, when you click over to the PS4 section, it's it's just random or like like the popular releases or something, and then you've got to manually say like, oh, which ones are actually new? And I didn't mind it on PS4 when the first few entries were like upcoming pre-order games, just to give you an idea of what's coming out soon. I didn't mind that so much because it wasn't like you didn't have to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling yeah. through a hodgepodge of games that are available for pre-order and have a tiny white circle of dots in the corner that sometimes invisible if it's light uh, game art to tell you it's a pre-order to keep accidentally clicking on it. And that's mixed in with other games that have just announced written in the <laughs> lower corner instead of the top <laughs> corner. And sometimes, in between the pre-orders and the just-announced, are games you can buy before you get to the section that's all games you can buy. It's a fucking mess, and it seems to have been designed to be, presumably as part of a Confusopoly scenario. Having prepared assets to be placed on Sony storefronts in the past... I am suffering PTSD at the moment, thinking about the poor people who are trying to create consistent assets with all of the positional demands that you have described yeah. in terms of overlay text. And, oh my god. If you want people to know that your game is up for pre-order or has just been announced, make sure there's no white in the top right corner or the top uh, or the bottom left corner. Something like Werewolf, that recent Werewolf game where it's a picture of a fella with a stark white background behind him. It was impossible to tell when it was out. It's such a small little white circle of dots up in the corner. And you have to, I have to go and squint sometimes. I'm like, is that a game I can, is that game worth clicking on or is it just for pre-order? What an awful store. Also, if you train me for over five years to click the button to go back to a dashboard and hold the button to bring up like turning (laughs) on and off don't fucking reverse it six fucking years and you fucking reverse whether I hold or press the home button fuck off you mental experimenters it's gotta be part of an experiment are you ready for the PS6 to change it back just when you've gotten used to it again that's what's gonna happen it's what's gonna happen god so we got some newsy stories this week brace yourselves everyone it's one of those weeks 
Uh, okay, so, Ubisoft. Right. U- Ubisoft time. I just want to say, someone the other day told me to drop it. <laughs> someone the other day said, this is why you're losing subscribers. Someone always does that when I talk about Ubisoft. It's, well, this is why you're losing subscribers. Uh, it's not about gender, but I will, uh, you know, misgender you now. Yes, yeah, someone was like, you go on about this too much. They wanted me to just talk about, you know, games I liked. And then this came out. Yeah, yes. This story is very much going to validate a lot of our continuing to harp on about this particular story. So um, this initially came from a report on Bloomberg reported by Jason Schreier. At the time, this was not confirmed information. The future of Assassin's Creed is going to be some big live service thing over many years. It's a big project that they're working on with multiple teams, blah, 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 blah. What's important is Jason Schreier originally says in this tweet, After the reorganisation at Ubisoft, several men accused of abuse remain in charge. Uh, And there's a further tweet down in the thread in which he says, Several men accused of abuse remain in lead roles after this reorganisation, which has led to complaints on the internal forums. A Ubisoft spokeswoman says they had their case rigorously reviewed by a third party and were either exonerated or underwent appropriate disciplinary actions. Now... What are appropriate disciplinary actions for abuse if not removing you from the company, one would ask, but... Getting to head up a team. Yes, your punishment for for alleged abuse is you get to be in charge of the big project that we're devoting years of our future to as a company. So this was all rumoured, and then it ends up getting confirmed. Ubisoft made the honestly kind of unexpected move of confirming... Shrier is reporting and saying that yes, this is a this is a real thing. But what's important is in that confirmation, while they didn't they didn't directly comment on uh, Shrier's claims that there are people who were accused that that uh, abuse allegations have been made against while working on this project, they did name three of the creative leads working on it, and two thirds of them are people who had pretty big accusations made against them last year. I will summarise very quickly. So first of all, we have Jonathan Dumont, and I will read a quote from some coverage last year. Jonathan Dumont is accused of being a uh, being narcissistic and yelling at staff until they cry, using homophobic and misogynist commentary. When staff went to management with complaints, no solutions were offered. There are more specific things about Jonathan, but it basically boils down to he was an abusive boss who would basically, rather than have actual adult conversations with people who worked under him, would just throw around homophobic and misogynist uh, terms until they cried, and then be like fix the thing without giving them any advice on how to do that so that's jonathan demont who's going to be you know one of the three people leading up this project charming man the other person is mark alexis coat i'm going to read a couple of quotes back to back here from some different pieces but i think they paint a picture of what the allegations were while some sources claimed coat who's been a senior figure within ubisoft quebec for the best part of a decade treated them well on a personal level most agreed he knew of the abuse being dished out by senior colleagues and did nothing. He is narcissistic and extremely manipulative and has absolutely no care for the health of employees or the studio itself, so long as he can keep climbing the ranks. He is the one that will empower, legitimise and even protect the other toxic people in the studio. Coat has a direct line to Yves Guimau that allows him to protect himself and other creatives with well-known toxic behaviours. Mark Alexis Copes basically decides who lives and dies at the studio. His motto, whatever it takes, says it all. So this is two-thirds of the people heading up this particular project, and you wonder why we keep fucking going on about the fact that Ubisoft has not done enough to address this problem. Yeah. One of these three people is someone who, one of the ex- the specific allegations that Yves Guimau has not addressed is allegations that this man, who is narcissistic, manipulative, will throw anyone under the bus to climb climb up, that knew about abuse, is alleged to have had a direct line to Yves Guimau, and Yves Guimau has just not responded to that, not gone like, uh, not, not so much as said, no, that's untrue about this allegation. Ugh but I'm the one in the wrong for bringing it up. 
I get told so often, and I, I'm sure you probably get more of this than I do, but I get told so often, like, oh, just stop going on about it. You know, they they, they, they got rid of the people. They fired the people. They 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 fixed it. It's all yeah. fixed. It's like, no. And complete ignorance of the reports that, you know, was it like one third of workers still feel unsafe at the company? 25% of workers within okay. Ubisoft uh, have either experienced or witnessed uh, abuse or harassment in the workplace. It's just... You know, we've been saying for ages, this doesn't change. Yeah. While the same leadership that oversaw all this is is in charge. The CEO oversaw all this and faced no consequences and the media won't hold. The media will do what he did last time. Report on this, sure, and then quickly forget it. Cowardly. Cowardly pieces of shit. The project isn't what's important here. The scum behind it. And this is what this whole, oh, let's just talk about games. Let's just focus on games and have fun with games. Like, that's the evil shit that that tacitly condones and certainly allows. Because, of course, Ubisoft will confirm who's working on it. They were given, they've been given a year-long message that they can do whatever the fuck they like and the sheep will continue to graze. Yeah. One topic of discussion I have seen around this, and I think that it's certainly something interesting to think about, is um, Ubisoft's statement, while not being specific about either of these men, says that, you know, either no abuse was found or that appropriate punishment had happened. There have been some questions going around about Coates, specifically about the fact that a lot of the allegations around him were that he protected other people more so than allegations of him doing things himself. And there is the question of... Is this a case of, well, you you didn't do it yourself. You just covered it up. Therefore, nothing needed. It's, there needs to be some transparency about both of these men. Because I, as was said in the original Bloomberg report, people within Ubisoft have been complaining about these people being put on the project. And I don't blame them because I know if I was working there, I wouldn't want to work under either of these people with higher ups having not addressed anything about the allegations about them. These sound like terrible people to work under unless something is said to the contrary. I mean, I fucking despair. I fucking despair because it's it's not just the company, it's the entire industry. And I've been covering this industry since 2006. And it's only gotten worse. It's only gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And, worse. and the allowance... The, the media and the community allowing this, is it any wonder, is it any wonder I'm not always in the mood to say, hey, cool, fun new game. You know, I'm done with it. I'm done covering Ubisoft games, obviously, and Electronic Arts games, you know, uh, hell, they abuse their own fucking audience, and Activision abusing America. <laughs> there are still sometimes games from big teams where I can go, Currently, haven't heard anything too terrible about them. Sure, I'll enjoy it. But oh, I just mean in terms of general impact on communities in the country. But that's that's the thing is, the list of companies I'm having to look at and go, right, I'm adding them to the list of I don't feel comfortable with them. It's just fucking growing. That, that dead space can fuck off. I may have done a video on that. You may have done. People should go watch that video. It's a good video. I'm just so done. I'm so done. Like, I've realised I'm not over video games. I'm over the industry. That's fine. We'll just we'll just exclusively become an indie games podcast and it'll be a lovely, lovely time. Uh, I, had, I had a couple of other, uh, other quick news stories to talk about. You know how everyone's been going on about Switch Pro, Switch Pro, Switch Pro for a while. I've been very excited about their their Switch hardware revision, the the, yeah. the, the Switch that's definitely going to do 4K and whatnot. Justin's been collecting uh, screen grabs of the websites that were pushing those rumours, and then in the wake of the announcement, we're all going, you're silly for believing those rumours. Uh, I mean, they were silly to have published all of those rumors in well, that's the a point. way that asserted them factually because that's the point of it you don't spend weeks telling you something's coming and then go silly you 
Like, Nintendo always does this. This They don't do a major upgrade, you know, really, to an existing platform. They do an iterative, you know, quality of life improvement to it. And that's what this is. I do want to give a slightly different perspective on this. So for anyone who didn't catch this, there has there is a new Switch uh, hardware SKU, but it's basically just a larger OLED screen. Some, some other little tweaks here and there, but that's the big thing. I do want to go back and look at Bloomberg's initial reporting, because Bloomberg were, I think, the people who gave a lot of weight behind this initially happening. And one thing that I want to be clear about is Bloomberg were 100% accurate about, about all of their discussions of this device when it came to the physical device that was being manufactured. They accurately described the replacement screen, the replacement screen component, uh, the widening of the uh the 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 back kickstand uh, the new placement of where the speakers were going to be like all of the physical hardware stuff they described was accurate so i'm willing to believe with an outlet like bloomberg they likely did have accurate information on the physical product that was being manufactured and as such my interest is in where that 4k claim came from and where it when it sure is shit spread mm-hmm because the question is is it that it was never in there and there was some mixed messaging that happened somewhere or as i've seen some people talk about and i don't think it's the most ridiculous explanation that could exist there are big problems right now with specific components that are causing problems for manufacturing the two sure. next gen consoles and a lot of people pointed out when these bloomberg rumors were initially going around that seems it now seems like a weird time to try and launch this because you are going to struggle to get components for that. There is some wondering, did something get pulled out of this device last minute because they just don't have the chip the the chipsets to do what they wanted to do? I mean, maybe, but like Conrad said, like this is Nintendo doing Nintendo. Like this is it's par for the course. I mean, it's it would also be very Nintendo to take a device that is already doing very well and to segment the market by splitting your hardware SKU for no reason when your base SKU is still the best-selling console on the market. That's more of a Sony thing. I don't know, Nintendo insists on stuff like the new Nintendo 3DS, which did not need to exist and never got support because it was a split SKU. That's true. That's a fair point. Like, Nintendo has a history of, we're going to re-release the same device but it has like six games that it'll play slightly better. No, you're not wrong. It has, there's yeah. precedent. I mean, it but... really could go either way because, well, I guess we could say both are very Nintendo moves. Yeah, and that's the thing is, we're, we're, ne- we're likely to never know exactly what went down with this, but I find it fascinating how on the nose Bloomberg was about everything other than the 4K, and that does make me go... Is it possible that this was something that got pulled? But the thing is, it's more the chiding after the fact from the same outlets that were pushing the rumours. Now Mm -hmm. it's, oh, silly you for believing this. I 100% agree with you on that. And like the thing I dislike about the outlets that are going, you were silly for believing this, is everyone believed it. Bloomberg is a very reputable outlet that, as they proved today with this Ubisoft Assassin's Creed story... They are very good at getting accurate information that is not publicly available. They are a very reputable outlet, and I think if there's any outlet you could go, I mean, it's a rumour, but it's probably fucking accurate Bloomberg did it. Bloomberg's probably one you can usually trust to be pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. And if these Dead Space rumours turn out to be nothing, we'll see the same thing. I've seen site after site pushing them and saying, definitely, mate. Definitely. Yeah. But if it turned out to be bullshit, we'd then get the same things. We'd get this uh, attempt to save face by saying, yeah, but come on, they were always bullshit. As someone who for a while did the whole trying to leak and report on stuff uh, thing, a big part of why I stopped doing it is because inevitably things change. Nothing, nothing you hear before an official announcement is ever fully set in stone. Oh yeah, even the best track record with reporting will have, you know. Yep. Like the responses, whether correct or accurate around these things, are always ridiculous. It's, it's, it's either well, of course that was was happening. It, 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 you know, that leaking that was nothing special, or you were ridiculous for believing it. Why would you ever believe it in the first place? <sighs> Look at stuff like this and go. 
huh, that'll be interesting if it happens, but I won't get my hopes up. That's the right headspace to, even for a Bloomberg thing, that's the headspace to take it with. Yeah. Treat rumours like rumours. Don't push them and push them and push them and then mock the reader yeah. for buying into them. That said, I don't know whether this was planned to be announced during Nintendo Z3 or not, but like, I think this would have gone down like a lead fucking balloon if it had happened in E3. Definitely a good move to wait a bit and talk about it. I mean, it looks pretty. The The big screen and everything looks pretty on it. Yeah. It, it looks very nice. And I like the dock. I like the changes yeah. to the dock with the addition of the Ethernet port. That, I want that. If I ever need to replace my Switch, that that is the model I will go for. That's a very nice looking one. Of course, yeah. I mean, well, and you can buy the dock separately, which is nice too. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. I love that. Now, I, I, I will probably do so, even though <laughs> I have no practical benefit to do doing that other than i will be able to put it on my ethernet <laughs> because it's not like i play games on my switch the, the people i can't understand are the people furious this got announced because i'm like this is an objectively better version of the switch yeah even if you don't need it fine don't buy it i am glad that there is a an additional version of the switch that has a nicer screen a nicer and bigger screen on it that's great that's some people are gonna have a great time with that yeah, where's the problem yeah nintendo fans you know nintendo better than anyone or you should stop being mad at nintendo for nintendoing because they're always gonna nintendo it's you trolling yourselves and i've i've done videos about how nintendo fans specifically do this yeah they troll themselves they whip themselves up into a frenzy over things that are true they whip themselves up into a frenzy over things that aren't, and they always act surprised. Here's the main thing I would say to anyone who's a Nintendo fan who doesn't want to get overexcited about things that are not real. Nintendo always does something not good, not bad, but baffling. If you read a Nintendo leak and there isn't something fucking baffling in it, it's not real. If it makes sense. Here's a fun peek behind the curtain. Uh, one of the things I did get to leak back in the day was uh, that Dark Souls uh, port coming to the Switch oh, and the yeah. date it was coming and stuff like that. The reason I knew that leak was real, I got the entire running order of that Nintendo Direct. And the thing that convinced me that that Direct running order was real was Donkey Kong Country Returns now with Funky Kong on a surfboard. That was the thing where I was like, oh, that's real. That's that's Nintendo. Nintendo Nintendo's bullshit. Nintendo will always pull Nintendo moves. Don't believe a rumor about Nintendo unless Funky Kong is there on a surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's the lesson to take away here. We had a, had a little story. Uh, you know how we talked last week about a game developer who didn't mention which console they were talking about, but talked about console x where they were having some problems getting promoted as an indie dev very big costs to get any kind of store promotion things like that so in the the wake of that push square did an article where they talked to a bunch of indie developers about their experiences publishing on playstation and a lot of developers had very unsatisfied things to say one of the more standout things that came out of this that i thought was fascinating some developers say that at this point they are getting better traction releasing games on the vita than, than going through uh current playstation consoles because that store has less competition yeah they're actually getting somewhere with it uh-huh yeah that that's absolutely i'm sure that's true developers are like yeah no, i have a better chance of marketing my game myself than relying on sony to give me any kind of promotion that getting through the door to even get your game onto a sony device is a nightmare developers of pretty big sizes getting basically robot yeah. style responses for months just trying to get through to a human to go i have a game can i put it on your thing yeah i don't give a shit yeah it all goes back to the you know rather have all the money than some money Indies can bring in some cash, but they don't give a fuck. Well, and and it's really at, to a certain extent, at the whims of whatever mood the executive team is in in regards to indie games. Yeah. Right? And it comes and goes, and it depends a lot on just the mood. You know, you will occasionally have someone who is running that initiative within PlayStation who does fantastic work is really aggressive about getting good product onto the platform and making sure it's highlighted 
from what I hear, late PS3, early PS4, that was Sony's period of being good with indies, and it has just trailed off since since the start of PS4 generation. And I think that people who have established relationships within Sony from that period are probably still being somewhat served by it. That is my understanding from having spoken to a few people. But... Getting in with any of these is always going to be um, challenging, and it, it's it's going to largely depend upon their willingness to pursue it as a market, um, and who they've put in the position to do that. And apparently even once they're in, they get poor treatment. Uh, one thing that came up from multiple developers was things like, if you are lucky enough to get onto the PlayStation blog... Uh, Sony will not tell you how many views your post got there so you can understand what the reach of it was. Critical information like day one sales on Sony's platforms might take a month or more to be filtered back to the developer. Developers have described being in a blind limbo, in their words, uh, of just, I don't know how my thing is doing because Sony will not tell me just basic numbers. None of this would surprise me if it were true. Yeah. I would not be surprised to learn any of this. Indeed. And then the last thing we have on the, the docket this week is... Uh, so, we all know Tencent, right? Most of the world knows Tencent because Tencent owns most of it. They're investing everywhere. Yes. Big piles of money to throw around and certainly quite buddy-buddy with the Chinese government. Tencent games are beginning to use facial recognition tech and a database of real people's full names and faces to make sure that children don't play too many video games. Oh. And you know, I believe it falls to Tencent to be the moral arbiter of how we spend our time. It's weird. It's almost like, um, like, um, like, um, a literal nanny state. It's almost it's a literal yeah. nanny state. It's almost like that. Just a little bit. The new system is called Midnight Patrol. Oh. <laughs> Name it so it sounds like a private military corporation. <laughs> and it will apparently, mm. you know, scan your face every little while while you're playing. And if it, you know, detects that you do not have a, one of the database's registered adult faces or it doesn't scan a face, or the scan fails to run, it'll just assume you're a kid and go, now you're a child, stop video gaming. And then, you know, they'll have information on how, you know, their citizens, who are adults, are spending their time and what they're playing, and instead of being productive. Indeed, that will be a record of individual adults and how much time they have spent playing video games rather than being productive members of society that will probably be on a list somewhere. I'm sure that's not valuable at all to an authoritarian government. Mm, I can't think of any way an authoritarian government might use the information of how much leisure time are you spending not working in any kind of bad ways, particularly not a place that has a... Uh, what what is it called the 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 social mobility score where it's like ah here's the score for how good of a citizen you are mm, mm -hmm. yeah I bet this won't be a metric in that that could never happen in America I just want to say scores oh, no. that no. determine your status uh, in life could never happen in America and I give America full credit for not full having credit. those scores uh, so it's, we'd only see that in in a communist dictatorship <laughs> fucking hell uh, speaking of capitalism over the course of this hour and ten recording i have uncovered one luma bone card Ooh. Ooh. Mm, and it's one i don't have so there you go baron dark no less wow that's a big get yeah <laughs> nobody cares <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Have we got anything else on the docket? I think that's it. <gasps> We're all done. Oh, that's good. <sighs> that's very good. Look at us. We did a we did a podcast like professionals. Fuck yeah, because I've got some shrimp to throw. Thought. I tell you what, right? Wegman shrimp. Mm? Frozen bastards. Somehow fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love them. Put them in a roll with some Thousand Island. Oh, mom, 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 mom. That's all I need. 
That's all I need. And the calories on them shrimps, it's basically a fucking game shark for food. <laughs> fucking brilliant. Whoever came up with shrimp, right? Genius. But speaking of genius, I know of someone who is very, very smart and very, very industrious to the point where sometimes I'm like, my God, I fucking hate her being so smart and industrious and younger than me. And that person's name is Laura Kate Dale. Oh, no. I'm sorry. No, I'm I, sorry. I, I love you. No, I mean, like, I'm incredibly proud of, of not just the work you do, but I mean... You're setting up a protest. That is the thing I'm doing, which is mildly terrifying considering the current state of the UK and where it's heading with protests. Well, yeah, I mean, the bravery attached to that is just... (laughs) Hats off to you, and and you've gathered, like, amazing speakers, and I wish I could be there. Like, I really wish I could be there and and join y'all. I'm crossing my fingers it goes well. I've never done anything like this, and thankfully I'm helping co-organise it with someone who has organised protests before, who knows what they're doing. But seriously, the industriousness and the work you put in everywhere is just... Blows me away. I I, I I can't do it. And... Some of this stuff is already out and available, I do believe. We may have hinted at it earlier. It is. We may have hinted at it earlier. Um, You can find me at Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays my bills. Uh, I Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Every Friday I upload episodes of Accessibility, which is a show about accessibility in the games industry. can find this week's episode might have gone up a little early in the week, but it's about Doki Doki Literature Club. If you want specifics on how that game does its content warning stuff, I have a 20 minute video like really diving into like the nitty gritty of how they did that. Developer interviews, a bunch of stuff built into the episode. Go watch it. I'm real proud of it. Other than that, books, Uncomfortable Labels, that's out now. Gender Euphoria, that's out now. Things I Learned from Maria's Butt, that's out now. Other books on the way. I got to see some illustrations for my next book. Mm. It's looking real cute. And then there's podcasts. Uh, Pixel Squirts about video game character pornography. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't video games that I have done in the week. And Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. They're all all their own little stories. You can jump into any season. You'll be fine. Conrad, you were on that before as well. You used to be there. I sure was. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Conrad Zimmerman. You can catch me live on Twitch four days a week at twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com. And you can hear me on some other podcasts. Let's talk about snacks. Talking about snacks with Lauren Morgan and Linda Camiolo. Uh, spin-off Doctors. We have a Mortal Kombat 2021 episode that came out real good, I think. And we got Monster Hunter coming up next. I'm going to have to watch that. And that's, that's not a film about an internal investigation at Ubisoft. No, no, it is not. And uh, yes, uh, yes. We've seen the tweets. There is a Dynasty Warriors movie. Yes, we know. PB Smooth backstage at Polyam Cult Party was like, have you seen it yet? Oh, Jesus Christ. I think Dynasty Warriors fans, like, we're desperate for someone else who gives a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Everything I do is supported online at Patreon. Patreon.com slash FistShark. And you know who else has a Patreon? (gasps) Why, it's James Stephanie Sterling. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, patreon.com slash gymquisition. That'll get you there. Um, As always, very, very grateful for the support there. I stream as well, if you're interested. Monday, Tuesday, depends how I'm feeling. Fridays as well, if I'm feeling particularly frisky. And that's normally about 3pm Eastern. And of course, we stream wrestling events now, wherever they happen, or, you know, whether they're wise enough to ask. And the, the recent one was the Polyam Cult Party 4... There are individual clips of every match because, you know, some wrestlers come out to Yellow Brick Road, <laughs> so it gets muted. But my match is there, Sterling and the Great Bambina, the Grand Slams versus um, Kimberly Spirit and Zach Belmont. Uh, that's there. And just one last time, I'm in York, PA this weekend. It was a last minute booking. But hey, I can say I've got bookings now. And you'll, you, you'll be able to say you've been to shit town. Yeah. Yeah. York, PA. Shit town. Okay. All right. I'm off to shit town, folks. I hope I win in shit town. (laughs) Okay. Let's go. Bye. Bye. Bye.